mountains that I believe God is going to empower all of us to ascend. Everyone is at different spiritual levels, of course. And uh, so you ascend the mountain that God is challenging you to ascend. This past Sunday morning, God really quickened my spirit when I was talking to you about Noah and how that that was one mountain that did not have to be climbed. God lifted him to the top of that mountain, and he did it on the waters of trouble, the waters of peril, the waters of judgment. The waters that was destroying everyone else saved Noah. And God lifted him in that ark to the top of Mount Ararat. And I used it as a place of hope and peace. And I have not been able to get away from that thought. And I will tell you that as the Lord leads, I would like to preach all four of those points that I introduced to you Sunday. I'll preach all four as an individual sermon over the course of four Sundays or however long it takes. But we're going to ascend here at Grace Church, and that is the consistent progress of going forward and vertical at the same time. It's laborious, but when you get to the summit, it's amazing. And we all want to take that journey together. So I want to call your attention to Genesis chapter 8, and I'll begin reading with verse 6. And it came to pass at the end of 40 days that Noah opened the window of the ark which he had made and sent forth a raven which went to and fro until the waters uh, were dried up from off the earth. Also he sent forth a dove from him to see if the waters were abated from off the face of the ground. But the dove found no rest for the sole of her foot, and she returned unto him into the ark, for the waters were on the face of the whole earth, then he put forth his hand and took her and pulled her in unto him into the ark. And he stayed yet another seven days. And again he sent forth the dove out of the ark. And the dove came in to him in the evening. And lo, in her mouth was an olive leaf plucked off. So Noah knew that the waters were abated from off the earth. And he stayed yet another seven days and sent forth a dove which returned not again to him anymore. Along with that, I want to read from Matthew chapter 3 and verse 13. Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. But John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee. Why comest thou to me? Jesus answering said, Suffer it to be so now, for thus it become us to fulfill all righteousness. And then he suffered him or allowed him. Jesus, was, when he was baptized, went straight up out of the water. Lo, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him, and lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in who I am well pleased. I want to speak to all of us tonight, everybody in the house. I want to speak to everybody here tonight about the return of peace. The return of peace. Everybody say, Thank God for the word. Thank you so much for standing, and you may be seated. <clears throat> I find it interesting at how the Spirit of God can move and the, how the Spirit of God works because I wanted to teach something tonight 
that would have to do with last Sunday, but would kind of help introduce us to this coming weekend. And I do know tonight with the teaching of prophecy that oftentimes it causes fear, uh, especially if you're not ready to meet God. That's a pretty good indicator. Uh, it causes unrest. But I can assure you tonight, as long as your life is in the hands of God, no matter what happens in prophecy, you're, you're going to end up okay. It may not be a pleasant journey, but you'll end up okay as long as your life is in the hands of God. So inspiration came to me this week, and between last Sunday and talking to you about the first mountain that I believe God wants all of us to ascend, and that is a place of hope and peace. I have a pretty good idea of this congregation tonight, and there's people here that have probably felt intermittent times in your life where you didn't have a whole lot of hope. But I do know that there's folks that have come to Grace Church in the recent past that's kind of given up on hope for God doing any more with your life than what he's done in the past. So between that thought and the what's coming this weekend, I want to bring all of us tonight to the best of my ability to a place of peace in Jesus in a troubled world. I'm oftentimes grieved when folks have such dismay when it comes to the subject of peace. When their peace has been taken away by a negative church situation or a negative minister situation or pastor. That's really where hope should come from. But I found some things interesting in Noah's relationship with God as the flood waters began to recede. He had to put as much faith in God to get him off of that ark as he did to get in it. As a matter of fact, I believe it probably took a whole lot more faith to get off the ark than it did to get in it. <clears throat> Before I get to that point, I want to share with you tonight some inspiration from the Word of God. There are some promises that God has made to the believers through the Word of God. As a matter of fact, concerning peace itself, there's tremendous promises. Actually, peace, peace that has come from God, the Bible calls it the gift of God. It can be referred to as a gift of God. The psalmist said in Psalm 29, The Lord will give strength unto his people, and the Lord will bless his people with peace. I want to say again tonight, if you don't have peace in the Holy Ghost, if you don't have peace in your relationship with God, it's not on God. And you may even be in the ark, but still not have that blessed divine peace. The Bible also categorizes the peace of God as abundant. In Psalm 119, the writer said, Great peace, not just peace, but great peace, have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. The Bible calls the peace of God perfect. That will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee. 
because he trusts in thee. As a matter of fact, peace became the legacy of Christ right before his passion and ascension. He said to his disciples in John 14, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. He went on to say in John 16, These things I have spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. Anybody thankful for the word of God tonight? Praise the Lord. I'm thankful for the word of God. And then the Bible goes on, and it's a verse that all of us knows. As a matter of fact, the Bible presents the peace of God as it being at such a level. It is so dynamic. It is so intense. It works so well that Paul said, And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. And God is not selfish with the peace of God. The Bible said in Isaiah 53 that he was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. The writer of Acts said, The word which God sent unto the children of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. In Romans chapter 5, the Bible said, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul said in Ephesians, For he is our peace, who hath made both one. He hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us. Colossians chapter 1, And having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself, by him I say, whether things be in the earth or things in heaven. I want to assure everybody in the house tonight that one of the byproducts, one of the most prolific byproducts of your relationship with God, you should have peace in your heart. There should not be conflict. There should not be strife. We shouldn't struggle to go to sleep at night out of fear and unrest, not knowing what tomorrow will bring. I believe in the peace of God, and I told somebody the other day, sometimes I worry about people, but I'm never worried about the church. God's going to have a church. God's going to have people that believe in him. He's going to have a bride to rapture out of here one of these days, and it's more sooner than later. Praise the Lord. But every individual person, Every child that's at least at the age of accountability, every adult, there should be a measure of peace in your heart when it comes to your relationship with God, and especially when it comes to relation, the relationship you have with eternity. The Bible t- teaches in Philippians, and I just read the verse, that he will give you peace that passes understanding. I've known several people in my life who I believe have 
just been endowed with, not necessarily endowed with a greater peace than anyone else. They just knew how to apply it. They knew when to apply it. One of the most stalwart people in my life is my mother. I've seen her and my dad go through very difficult, trying times. We grew up poor, never had a lot of money, never had a nice house, and very rarely ever had a real nice car. But I've watched them two people turn to God on numerous occasions, looking for answers, but they were never frantic. I've heard them pray about situations and circumstances in their life, but they've never fretted over those circumstances because deep down on the inside, they knew that if it was the will of God, that God would come through. If there's anything my sweet mother passed down to our family, it was that indescribable, ununderstandable peace with God. I watched her reaction when her father died, when her mother died, when her eldest son died. And I've watched her go through many other countless crises with family, losing brothers and sisters and, and what have you. All of my life I've watched that. And I've seen her stalwart faith in God never shaken, never moved. She taught the junior high Sunday school class for over 30 years, never burned out, never got tired of it. I don't know how many kids that grew up to be adults encountered her one day and say, thank you for teaching me in a Sunday school class. She never took her burdens to her Sunday school class, nor her frustrations. If she was burnt out, we never knew it. Stalwart. Why? Because she was resolute in her heart when it came to her relationship with God. She talked to him often. She read the word of God often. She hid it in her heart. I've heard her intercede. I've heard her travail. I've heard her call my name many times in prayer. I've felt the Holy Ghost. I've felt convicted. I've felt stirred. But I've watched this sweet lady as life presented her one tragedy after another, she stayed resolute, upright, and firm in her relationship with God. Pastors of her church came and went, and she stayed resolute in her faith with God. She had been hurt. She had been offended. She had been turned aside. She had been stepped over. I've watched it all of my life, but she stayed resolute and positive and loving Jesus every step of the way. I can still see hear her singing as I laid on her lap as a child in church singing the old hymn walking by faith with great delight praise the Lord why could she sing that because she had resolved in her heart that God has me in the palm of her hand and when she was on her deathbed at 78 years old with dementia running wreaking havoc in her brain we sang around her bed sister Yvonne was there that night I played my guitar we sang when the roll is called up yonder. And I watched those glazed over eyes and that little crippled old feeble hand begin to clap. And she started singing them words. And all I could think about is, my God, if I could have that much peace when I face the old chilly Jordan River and make that crossing, God help us tonight to embrace the love of God and the peace of God and bury it down on the inside of us. And God help us tonight if a 
preacher, a pastor, a church can take away your peace. God is bigger than all of that. God's wanting to lift somebody back up to that peak of Mount Moriah. Jesus had an interesting situation with his disciples. We know the story. But I want to show you how we think and how he thinks. You know that he was on the stormy sea with them at least twice. And on one of those occasions when he got in the boat and he knew the storm was coming because, of course, he was God. He found a pillar somewhere. I, I've never really associated a pillar in a boat. I don't think you get on a boat to go to sleep. <laughs> he was with fishermen. If you're going to get in the boat, you fish. If you get sleepy, you get off the boat and go find somewhere to sleep. Anyway, he found a pillow and went to sleep. The storm hit, and the disciples were scared to death. These were experienced fishermen, and obviously had never encountered a storm they couldn't handle until that day. And they found Jesus and woke him up and asked him that amazing question. Carest thou not that we perish? Do you even care that we're about to die? It's, it's an amazing question to ask God. We're all going to die. But he could say, not me. You might, but I'm not. That's how we think, that God will save himself and let us drown. We often think that way sometimes. People take that martyrdom spirit that says, well, God don't love me. He don't care about me. He don't know where I'm at. I preached to you Sunday. God remembered Noah. He knew where Noah was at. He, he was never out of, out of sight with God. You're not either. But you don't know what I'm going through. Here's the story. The disciples thought that they couldn't have peace. Listen to pastor tonight. They thought they couldn't have peace unless their circumstances around them were peaceful. This is what I learned from my mother. She never lost that I'm not in control mentality. She never lost that I'm not weirded out by something mentality. She, she never lost her faith. The peace of God was always with her, whether her circumstances were good or bad. And I can remember again oftentimes when they were not that good. She never missed church. We never missed church. That might have something to do with the peace that she had in her life. Even Wednesday nights. I thought one time when I was a child, it was about a quarter to seven, and the parents had church start at 7.30, and they hadn't said nothing. We were outside playing. And my brother and I literally got our hopes up that for once we get to miss church on Wednesday night for the first time in our life. And the second I thought it, David, Glenn, y'all come on in, time to get ready for church. And we're like, oh, man. We miss church nowadays at the drop of a hat. And we don't understand the continuity 
of the Word of God and the Spirit of God working from one service to the next to build us into better people. And we miss church over frivolous things. And I want to tell you something else, too. God struck me with this today. I don't want to speak for God. Maybe it was me. Take it either way. If you stay home from church on Wednesday night, or Sunday morning for that matter, I sure hope you don't go anywhere else. You talk about an indictment and an affront to God. I can't come to church for whatever reason, but I'll run on up to Sammy's and get something to eat. And you're not here, why? We'll run up to Walmart and just pick up a few things, so you're not here, why? I don't feel good, Pastor. Let me ask all of you right now, what are you doing right now? What are you doing physically right now? What would you do if you were at home? And why can't you be here? We don't ask you to do calisthenics. We don't do exercise. We're not spectrum. We're not ex-fitness and whatever all that is. We don't ask you to run and jump. And you walk straight from your car. It's closer than if you were at Walmart. Or Sammy's. Just walk right in. As a matter of fact... Some of our folks may even surrender one of them handicapped spots for you. If you can get real close, and we'll get ushers to go out and help you. They'll get you on each side of your arm. They'll walk you in here, and you just sit down. That's all you got to do. And the chairs are comfortable. I love the chairs. And then when church is over, we'll help you back out to you. How about that? So no more staying at home. I'm going to be tired and stay at home tonight and watch television. I'm going to watch Fox News, Bill O'Reilly. He'll get you fired up. He'll give you peace. Yes, sir. And then let Sean Hannity come on after that, and you'll get a double dose of peace. There's a continuity that the Spirit of God can work through. And I know we're tired, and I know all of that, and what have you. We believe that if we're going to have peace circumstances in our life have to be peaceful. Our body has to be just right. If it's hurting anywhere, anywhere, we don't have peace. We're nervous. There's, there's people that just flip out. You go to the doctor and he tells you you got the flu and they, they have to call EMS and resuscitate and uh, shock your heart two or three times and all that. Where's the peace of God that's supposed to be in our lives? I've tried to convince you guys. I'm not a knee-jerk reaction person, and I don't panic real easy. I can, but I don't. It's, it don't come easy. And it has to be pretty major for me to go into, you know, panic mode. I don't want to embarrass Sister Murphy in any way, shape, or form, but she's, we've been on our 21-day fast, and um, she gave blood Sunday. Got to the restaurant, and she passed out cold as a wedge at our table. And I didn't panic. I didn't call EMS. I have so much experience in that department. She'll be back. Just wait it out. Noah said, is Annie dead? I kind of upset you there a little bit when you hear that question. And she did. Um, she came back around, and she's fine now. But some of, the other, some of the church folks were sitting at another table and saw it, and so they gauged what they should do by what I did which I put my arm around her and 
prayed for her real quietly and said she'll be back around, ordered her a Coke and got her some crackers. And what else do you do? And call paramedics, none of that. Well, they said, well, Brother Murphy didn't look too upset, so we didn't do nothing. So that could be determined that Brother Murphy really don't care about Sister Murphy. That's not the case. I just knew, because I've done it a thousand times in my own life. You pass out and give him two or three minutes. Marcus passed out one time when he was about 14. He got mad and slung his hand and hit his dresser and popped a little blood blister on his knuckle. Came downstairs, white as a sheet, and just boom. And Sister Murphy was, oh, I said, he'll be back. He's all right. And two or three minutes later, he bounced back up. And we gave him some sugar and whatever and the kind you get out of a bottle. And um, he was fine. There's an element of peace that I believe God has available to his people. But we struggle with its development. Somehow, life is more interesting if we can have drama without it. The disciples said to Jesus, don't you care whether we die or not? Don't you hear that? How are you asleep on a pillow? Because you're looking at the embodiment of peace. That's what you're looking at. And he's not bothered by it. You know, people panic with the over financial situation. Sister Murphy and I almost went bankrupt several years ago. No one knows that, but we did. It's only a, an incredible miracle that spared it. I didn't panic. I didn't start selling house and adopting out kids and, you know, whatever. I didn't do that. God has my steps, and he has them planned. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me. Does anybody understand that? God, help us to engage that. It's a return of the peace of God that needs to come back into all of our lives. Everybody here tonight. And I would to God that we could. Jesus was asleep on a pillow. What he taught them that day. He said, did you not? And, and, and a lot of people don't understand his question. They said, do you care if we perish or not? He asked them did you not consider the miracle of the loaves? Well, what relevance does that have to this? I mean, we're about to perish in this stormy sea, and you're asking us about bread. Because a steady intake of the Word of God would not have allowed you to have gotten so upset you could have stayed on the bow of that ship and fought that storm and just whispered under your breath, Jesus, I'm real afraid, and I need some peace in my life right now. And without waking up and without raising his head off the pillow, he could have just thought in his sleep, peace be still, and it would have happened. The source of peace is not based on peaceful circumstances. Your source of peace is from God himself and from the word of God. God help us to understand that. And we struggle to embrace that idea. We struggle to embrace it. We fall apart. We get bitter. We get hurt. We get bitter. We, we want to quit. We want to give up. We get discouraged and what have you and think that we're in this ark that God put us in. You're on this ship. We built it, but God gave the plan. 
not taking any glory from God, but Noah built that ark. He put pitch on the inside and the outside, did everything God said he would do. And I find it interesting that all through that storm, you don't read any, hardly any response about Noah and his family while the rain was falling. But now when it's time to make a transition, it's amazing to me that Noah had a tendency to feel more peaceful in the ark than he did it resting on the top of a mountain. In other words, as long as we can drift in something that we feel comfortable with and something we can manage and something we can handle, then why should we improve on that situation? Brother Murphy, I've been in the church all of my life, and I've buried all of my relatives, and I've been through all kind of negative business stuff, whatever, 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 and I've made it all the way. And pray for me that I can make it all the way home. Well, don't you want to come out of that cycle ever? Wouldn't you like for life to offer something new? I find it interesting that the ark, when the flood came, it didn't go straight up on the water and then come straight back down to where it was built. God toted him off. Some people estimate some 600 miles away from where he got on the ark. When you got into the church, God didn't intend for you to stay there at that place. And I'm going to go as far as to say this, Ben, it's Wednesday night and it's pastor time. God may not leave you in the same church that you were born and raised in. Your development may exceed what that environment is designed for. So you need to move somewhere else where you can continue your development. Don't look at me in that tone of voice. When you started school and you loved your little sweet first grade teacher, did you want to stay there for the next 12 years? I'm the only 18-year-old in the first grade. (laughs) I just love my teacher. You got to move to the class down the hall, man, if you're going to get better, if you're going to be successful. Sometimes God has moved people out of Grace Church somewhere else to continue their development. The church isn't a building. It's all over the world. And we need to understand that. So when you get on the ark, when you get on the ark, who knows where you'll be when you get off? This is good Bible study right here, buddy. And I know it's a whole new idea to a lot of you folks, but it's the way it works. I told somebody a number of years ago, that you are gifted and talented and the environment you're in is not going to work for you. And it hasn't. They're still doing nothing. Has not changed. As a matter of fact, they're doing less now than they were when we had that conversation probably 10, 15 years ago. They had an opportunity and not to come to Grace Church, but to move on somewhere else where they could really be developed. Their pastor was hands-on. There's a lot of good stuff going on, and they didn't do it. This is by God. This is my church night leaving. Kind of the, this is my first grade classroom and my little teacher, and I'm not leaving. I like doing two plus two equals four, and I just want to do that for the next 12 years. Are y'all with me tonight? 
Noah was a long ways from home when he got off of that ark. He didn't even know where he was at. And the first thing he did when he got off was built an altar and said, I love you, God, anyway. I love you, God. I love you, God. I love you, God. I love you, God. And sacrificed one of them animals that he tended to for all those months while he was on the ark. We need to learn how to listen to God. We need to learn how to listen to God. And, and there's peace that he will give to you if you'll accept it. Let me hurry on, and I'm almost finished. I find it interesting, and it's a whole other sermon for another time, but Noah let loose of a raven. I don't guess he figured that we needed a whole lot of ravens. I'm not sure how many we, he had on that ark, but he risked one. And if there's no dry land nowhere, that he will fly himself to death, you know. And I find it interesting, right after that, he let a dove go, and the dove came back because she didn't have anywhere left to rest her feet. I don't know what happened to the raven. See, it's that expression. I don't know where I stand. Uh, I don't know how it's going. Uh, Either you've checked out or you're really into it. I don't know which. We all know, according to the word of God, that that the dove is a type of peace, and so is the olive branch. The olive branch has come a huge symbol of peace and through governments and so on around the world. And I find it interesting when he let the dove go, that when she couldn't find peace outside, she came back inside. So the timing wasn't right. It was the will of God for there to be peace, But the time wasn't right. Noah had to stay on that ark another week. For whatever reason, he did. Another seven days. Another cycle of development to a place of perfection or completeness. I believe, this is my opinion, and I'm not going to split hairs with anybody on it. The dove was probably ready to get off the ark, but Noah wasn't. He wasn't ready. The earth wasn't ready for him. The earth was not ready for it to yield up its promise that God was going to impose on it. It wasn't ready. So it was a timing issue. So Noah had been floating around all that time. He's hit dry ground. He's on top of the mountain, but God won't let him out of the ark. So he opens that window, which I believe is why it was put there, and let that dove out, and she comes back, and he sets her another week, and he lets her go again, and now she comes back with an olive branch in her hand. The Bible said when the dove came back, that Noah accepted the dove back. We can try the waters, literally and figuratively. We can try the Spirit of God. We can try our faith. If it doesn't work, take your peace back. It is good. Thank you, Sister Dean. It is good. It's the Word of God. If what you're trying isn't working, don't keep the bird out. Let the bird back in. And then try again later. Let the dove go again. And when she came back the second time, she came back with an olive branch. And Noah knew, okay, our time is ready. Get ready, kids. Get ready, honey. We're about done with this old boat. We're fixing to get off in a brand new location. And he got off that ark with peace in his 
mind and in his spirit. And it didn't have to be represented by a bird anymore. The peace of God was not a symbol to him anymore. It was him. It became him. He was confident in his relationship with God. Too many of you, too many of us walk around with peace in the form of a dove resting on our finger and we shoo it off sometimes and when it don't work out and we get all nervous and flimsy, we want the peace back. But after a while, that has to get on the inside of you. It has to become who you are that no matter what's going on out there, I still have the peace of God on the inside of me. It's not the peace of God in the ark. It's what's on the inside of you that's important. You want to know why, and I'm, I'm concluding, you want to, want to know why there was such an amazing legacy of Jesus having peace and giving peace when Noah let that dove go, who knows where that bird went? And figuratively and spiritually speaking, it never came back. Noah said, the Bible said the dove went away after she brought that olive branch back. She flew off and that was the end of it. Where did that bird go? If that bird left enough peace in the heart of Noah and his family to get out of that ark, then what happened to that symbol of peace? Where did it go? I find it interesting that every commentary you read after says the Old Testament is one of the bloody, most bloodiest books you'll ever read. They were barbaric back then, it seemed like, and just a lot of people died uh, through the use of the sword, battles. Israel was always fighting bloodshed, bloodshed, bloodshed. But the Messiah... Christ, the Prince of Peace. The Bible said, and I find it very interesting, and I do believe there's a continuity to it, there, there, there's a relevance to this, that when he was baptized, the Bible said a dove descended on him. The Spirit of God like a dove descended on him. I wonder, I've wondered a thousand times, was that symbolic of that dove that Noah let go out of that ark? The peace of God has come back to the earth again as the prince of peace. So no wonder Jesus could say, my peace I give unto you, not as the world gives. The world will give you circumstantial peace but God can give you peace in your spirit that you're never afraid again. You're never insecure again. You know that God is going to direct your footsteps. So in conclusion tonight, Job said, Acquaint now thyself with him and be at peace. Thereby good shall come unto thee. If you're at peace with God, good will come to you. See, people play around with their relationship with God, and they don't think it's that big of a deal. As long as God will get me to heaven, that's fine. He's not a, a, a train ticket. He's not an airline ticket to get you from here to there. It's a relationship, man. And you don't play with God. You don't play with sin. God's real, 
and he wants to have a relationship with you. So if you do, if you're, if you acquaint yourself with him and be at peace, then good will come to you. The psalmist said, depart from evil and do good. Seek peace. Pursue it. Pursue peace. Isaiah said, or let him take hold of my strength that he may make peace with me and he shall make peace with me. Paul said, and let the peace of God rule in your heart to which also you are called in one body and be ye thankful. I'm going to ask every person, if you'll stand with me tonight, every person that's here tonight, I want you to make a commitment to God. Our young folks, we have teenagers in here tonight. You're struggling. You're groping. You need to embrace your relationship with God. You say, well, my mom and dad this, my mom and dad. It's not a circumstance. You see, you're seeking circumstantial peace. And that's not where the Bible directs you when you're in pursuit of peace. It don't direct you to circumstantial peace. It directs you to the peace of God, which is not determined by circumstances. If we could understand that. God wants to help somebody here tonight to make a return to peace in your spirit where you don't feel condemned, you don't feel conflicted, you're not afraid, you're not terrified, you're at peace with God. If it's appropriate and if you feel to, I'm going to ask you to take the hand of the person standing next to you or put your hand on their shoulder, whatever you feel to do. And I'm going to